It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. We are recording this episode on October 16th, 2020, about 10 days before it's released on the 26th. And the 26th of October is just over a week away from Election Day in the United States. And I felt like this is such an important subject to discuss just the process of voting and what it feels like in 2020 with this election, especially during a pretty intense year for everybody around the world. And, you know, what's interesting about the United States elections is that they have effects on the entire world. So it's not just us as citizens that are impacted by this, but a lot of other countries are impacted or if not the entire world, because the U.S. has so much power and so many connections and there's so much happening. And it's a complicated subject matter. I personally don't want to discuss who I'll be voting for. (laughs) I actually had a conversation in my group Beyond Measure last night. And since I'm the one running it, I generally don't want to exclude anybody. You know, I don't want to make assumptions about who anybody is voting for. And even if I really disagree, strongly disagree with somebody's viewpoints, I just don't feel comfortable bringing up who I'm voting for in in these kind of public forums. Because what if somebody in that group has a completely different viewpoint than me, but now no longer feels comfortable talking about it because they don't want me to view them differently? Or I think the other side of it is I don't want to get into a debate, especially if I'm not trying to create that environment of debating, which in the case of Beyond Measure is not something that I want to do. But since this podcast is called This Might Get Uncomfortable, I suppose we can explore many uncomfortable elements of voting, but also just some of the practical sides of it, because we want to encourage you, the listener, to vote if you haven't yet. That's also what's interesting is in mid-October, some people, if not many people, actually, what was the statistic? Millions of people have voted already. Let me see. I'm going to pull this up because I just read this morning. I think it was like off the top of my head. I want to see. Yep, that's right. 17 million people have already voted. And I'm interested to look this up if that is a normal thing, (laughs) because I don't recall early voting being this big in past elections. But I also admit that I'm kind of ignorant when it comes to politics. And something that I'm working on more as I get older is becoming more educated and more intentional. And I haven't voted yet. I know the main person I want to vote for, but I really want to look into all the other propositions. And I feel intimidated about that. So I'm curious where you stand, Jason. A few questions for you is, A, did you vote yet? B, how are you going to vote? What day are you going to vote? For me, by the way, I'm going to still be out of state. I'm registered to vote in California, and I don't plan on being back there by election day. It was actually something that I 
thought about when I was planning this trip and initially had this loose idea of being back in California for election day. But because mail-in ballots are so prevalent and kind of easier, more accessible, in my opinion, I just decided to have one sent out to Massachusetts, which I received a few days ago. And I was kind of taking my time with it, but then realized a lot of people are recommending that you get in your ballots as soon as possible and you vote in general as soon as possible if it's in person. So Jason, where do you stand on this? Like, What is your status? Do you have a date picked out? Do you have a plan? And do you know everything that you're going to vote for? That's a thick sandwich to sort through, but I think we'll start with, I do have a plan. And the the plan that I've had in place is kind of a, a remnant of something I did. This was maybe six years ago, I think 2014. I'm trying to think about the election cycle. Maybe it was 2012. It might be 2012. Yes. Okay. So I've been requesting mail-in ballots, absentee ballots for eight years now. I had to get my years right. And the reason that I did it starting back in 2012 is right around that time is when I started to do a lot more touring, speaking tours. Wasn't going on book tour yet, but doing festivals and conferences and, and things of that nature. 2012, I was doing some consulting gigs in Canada and I was doing a lot more traveling. I could tell my traveling was ramping up. So I remember before the 2012 presidential election, I think is when I first started to request uh, absentee ballots and get you know get the mail-in option. So I've been doing that for a long time. I'm really used to that system and it's been really efficient for me. I've never had any hiccups or any kind of logistical problems with doing a mail-in ballot. And it's always allowed me to, you know, I have a mailbox set up. So that's another aspect of this is I, I have a separate business address, a separate mailbox, a separate, you know, um, address where I run my limited liability company, all the business stuff gets routed through that. So the mail gets sent there. And, you know, in years past, it was pretty easy for me to, because of the flexibility of my travel schedule, just kind of pop in and grab the mail-in ballot and do it that way. So the summary there is I've always had a great experience for the last year with that system of voting. Um, what I am curious about and sort of don't have a definitive answer, like a lot of things here on the podcast, we don't necessarily claim to ever know uh, the, you know, objective universal truth about things. We've talked about this a lot. Um, a lot of the foundations of these episodes are really Whitney and I looking at research statistics, our own personal stories or life experiences to color our perspectives, which may or may not change just like our belief systems. But I have been hearing Whitney in the news, you know, so much conflicting reports, like so many things these days about voter suppression and ballots being, you know, shredded or burned or certain mail carriers in different states, you know, finding ballots dumped in the trash, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whether that's real or to what degree or extent it's happening, I don't know. It's again, it's tough to discern the objective truth. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to get my mail in ballot and I'm going to physically take it down in Los Angeles County. I got an email a few days ago. There are designated secured drop-off points where you can deposit your ballots. So there's one somewhere in downtown. I think it might even be at City Hall. I'll have to double check the locations. Uh, don't take any Angelinos listening to our podcast. Don't take my word for heart. You'll have to do your own research. But just out of a cursory glance of this email wit, it seems there's quite a few places in LA where they are secured ballot drop-off points. So that's my plan is I'm going to get the mail-in ballot when I get back to my business mailbox when I'm back home from Detroit, which that's where I am right now at the time of this recording, 
fill it out, do my thing, and then take it to downtown and put it in that secured box rather than you know, one of the blue post office boxes. Because again, it's hard to discern what's actually happening or not with all that, you know? Postal service could be dumping some things. We don't we, we just don't know, right? And I don't want to turn this into a far left, far right conversation about blowing this out of proportion. It could be happening, and that's enough to motivate me to physically take that ballot down and make sure that I put it in a secure drop-off location. So that's that's my initial plan with that. Yeah, I kind of I don't know if I want to say regret, but I definitely feel a sense of like envy or perhaps even fear that I'm going to be actually mailing it in and from all the way across the country, which gives me another sense of urgency. And I'm hoping to send it in maybe as early as tomorrow. It's just kind of like I've been procrastinating doing some of the research. And I am, in general, somebody who waits the last minute. (laughs) In fact, as as a side note, I typically get a tax extension each year. It's just kind of how my accountant works. And unless I, I think actually maybe, maybe it's not how she works. Maybe it's more about me because I always turn in my taxes or the tax information to my accountant pretty late. <laughs> so I guess I, I should take responsibility. I suppose if I, if I got it in earlier, she'd be able to finish them earlier. And that happened even with the extension. I didn't send her my tax information until a few days before it was due. And she <laughs> responded like, seemingly a little irritated and bless her heart. She was up until pretty late last night working on mine and some of her other clients. But that's just a side note to share. That's how I generally feel comfortable is doing things right at the deadline. I mean, it's it's pretty much how I always operate. And there are consequences to that. The consequence is that you might not get something finished. It might be delayed for some reason outside of your control. You know. In the case of my taxes, I didn't fully c- comprehend the fact that she needed some extra time to get things done. It's not like I could just submit her everything and she'd have it done in a few hours. She has other people in line and kind of getting into this queue. And the same thing is true with voting is that you can send it in, but you don't know what's going to happen after it's out of your hands. And to my original point, after hearing you speak, Jason, there's part of me that's afraid that it won't get there in time somehow. The good news is that since we're recording this on October 16th, I believe, at least in the state of California, that they'll be receiving the ballots up until November 17th. I think as long as it's postmarked or I don't know, maybe it's postmarked by election day because the mail is a little slower and there's probably a lot of people that are going to be submitting it late. But my big question is, and something I actually want to research, I wish I had the answer right off the top of my head right now, is like, what exactly happens in that time? You know, I think back to the year, I think, wasn't it Al Gore where there was that whole issue with like, was it called the Chads, Jason, with like how there was like miscounts or like, it wasn't fully clear who people were voting and things were misinterpreted. Am I getting that history right? The specifics of it, I don't exactly remember. But the issue back in the 2000 election with Al Gore and George W. Bush was Florida, was the miscount in Florida. I remember that was the one state where they were highlighting miscounted votes, misplaced votes, underreported voting, 
Florida itself was the focus during the 2000 election. The intricate details of it, I don't remember, but it was Florida was like the absolute focus of the hysterics regarding those election results. Right. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens this year. And, you know, without getting into the politics, as Jason was saying, I think whoever loses the election, there's going to be some, some like, I don't know if retaliation is the right word, but I think there's going to be outrage no matter what. And that's something else I wanted to explore too. I'm jumping a little ahead of us, but we often do this on the podcast. We might as well just dig in and come back to original points later. You know, last night I was thinking about what I will do if the outcome of the election isn't what I want it to be. And there's part of me that in the past, certainly when the elections haven't gone my way, which has been several times since I was old enough to vote, there's part of me that's thinking, oh, you know what? I did my best and it is what it is and I just have to deal with it. And that's part of the country that we live in. And it's supposedly a fair system. But I think the energy that I'm feeling in the 2020 election is a lot of doubt about it being fair. There's a concern about voter suppression. There's concern about the systems being wrong. I've even heard going back to something you said, Jason, about supposed official ballot drop-offs. Some of them are unofficial. And so you have to be really careful about where you drop your ballot off. And then I think I read that there were cases already of, and this might not have been actually related to the election, but it was through the postal system of finding somebody hoarding mail at their house. Like I think maybe it was um, an employee of the postal system or you know, some mail-related operation. And, and this employee, I believe, <laughs> I hope I didn't make this up in my head, but I think that they were hoarding them, keeping the mail at home. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like so many crazy things could happen. And because it's so complicated because of all the, the residents of this country and people that want different results, who knows what's going to happen? And that makes me nervous. But then it's kind of like, what do we do? do if things are worse than we are hoping for. You know, like it kind of feels like there's all this positive momentum. In fact, going back to what I was talking about with 17 million people voting already as of today or, or yesterday, to compare that to previous elections, like the 2016 election, more than one third, 37%, in fact, as many early voters have already been cast in 2020 as were cast in the entirety of the early voting in the 2016 presidential race. So people right now, which is 19 days or so away from the election, over 37% more have already voted and we still have 19 days left. So that's to me like exciting, but just because people are voting doesn't mean they're voting the way I want them to vote. You know, I think both sides, both parties in this country are really riled up as I think they should be, but who knows what the outcome is going to be. I think one thing I want to touch upon, so why not? We might as well just do it right now, Jason. What do you think you're going to do if the election doesn't go your way? Like legitimately, <laughs> what will you do? And not just like, I'm going to move to Canada, like that kind of canned response that a lot of us has said. Because back in 2016, people kept threatening, like if the person I want to win doesn't win, I'm moving. And most people didn't actually take any of that action. 
And you're hearing a lot of that again in 2020, but I want to call people's bluffs. Like, what are they actually going to do? And and what if instead of like being so concerned about what you do in that case, what if we all take more action? I mean, that's the big reason I want to talk about this today. We should be doing everything we possibly can. And I thought I was doing everything I could back in 2016. But in hindsight, I wasn't really doing that much besides voting and talking to my friends. You know, we need to use our platforms, both you and I, Jason, and encourage every single listener to be using whatever platforms and connections they have to encourage people to take action. I think what I want to do first, Whitney, is I actually want to jump back to previous question you asked because I neglected to answer it with my previous response and then jump into the question you just asked about what am I going to do if it, quote, you know, doesn't go my way or the way that I would prefer. You asked about kind of examining some of the local proposal and how I do my research on not just the presidential race, but also a lot of the more regional, state, or local proposals and you know budget issues and everything that those kind of tertiary things that come up on the ballot. So I want to say, first of all, that there's a really amazing news site that I discovered through reading a book. I'm almost done with it. It's called Digital Minimalism, Choosing a Focused Life in a Noisy World. It's by Cal Newport, who's a professor. And our friend Adam Yasmin recommended this book. I read almost all of it on the plane. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book as having a healthier relationship to social media and digital technology is something we've been talking about you know, at length and ad nauseum here with Whitney and I incorporating that into our wellness and our mental health regimes and how we navigate that world. So anyway, first of all, check out Digital Minimalism. In the book, Cal Newport recommended a really great site. It's allsides.com, A-L-L-S-I-D-E-S.com. And FYI to you, dear listener, if you want any of the resources we mentioned, the books, any news sources, any websites, anything we reference for you to continue your education, your seeking of wisdom here on this planet, you can go to our website, which is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. On the upper right-hand corner, you can click on the podcast section. It will take you to the show notes for this episode and all of our podcast episodes. So allsides.com, it's essentially, Whitney, it's organized like a balanced news site. So what they have is all sides. They have, if you want to check media coverage that would be considered left-leaning politically, they have those. If you want to go something that's leaning right in the red, you can check that too. And then they have things down the center. So it's from what I've seen in looking at it, it's really unbiased in the sense that they seemingly, again, to me, what I've looked at, provide balanced news for civil discourse, right? If you want one perspective, you can just eat all that perspective up. If you want to have something down the center, you can do that. If you have want something that's left-leaning, it's basically, you know, choose your own adventure of media coverage. It's a really interesting website, and I'm preferring it uh, over, say, some of the more mainstream outlets like, I don't know, Washington Post or CNN or LA Times or any of that. So allsides.com is the first thing that I've been really looking at to gain new information. Um, the other thing on a local perspective you asked about, our dear friend Pamela, who is Adam Yasmin's partner, uh, she and I are very similar politically. We've had a lot of in-depth conversations. She sent me a, a progressive voter guide for the general election for Los Angeles and California. And we'll link to that in the show notes also. It's at knock-la.com. It's a progressive voter guide. People are like, well, what does progressive mean? I don't have a textbook definition for what that means. But for me, um, I don't necessarily align. I want to get a little political for a second. I don't 
fully align with any political party. I want to say that, right? It's almost like my views on spirituality and religion, where there are aspects of Christianity or Catholicism, there are aspects of Islam, there are aspects of Buddhism, there are aspects of Zoroastrianism, things that I found in researching different religions that I think are interesting and useful. And I incorporate some of those spiritual philosophies and practices into my life. It doesn't mean that I align with one specific religion or spiritual practice. There's no real definition for it. And I feel like politically, I'm very similar in that sense where, to be honest, there are things that are, one would say, traditionally Democrat that I think are very strong. There are also some Republican viewpoints that I think are very strong. Although, you know, because we are in a binary two-party system, which I think is really outdated and needs to evolve, I do lean typically toward the Democrat side, I suppose, but I'm by no means a staunch Democrat. The point is this, I'm a progressive voter, which to me means that I want to do things that are as humanist as possible, things that policy-wise and law-wise lead with compassion, lead with empathy, lead with fairness and justice. And so that's how I define a, quote, progressive political viewpoint for me, is fairness, equanimity, justice, compassion, the health of people, the health of the environment, the health of animals. So as many attributes as, say, any ballot, anything on the ballot is going to lean toward, I'm always evaluating it from that perspective. So the Knock LA will link to that. That's where I go for my research, Whitney. And then there's also something that is at progressivevotersguide.com. And this is not just relegated to, say, Los Angeles. You can actually choose, let me see, you can choose every single county in the state of California. So and for any California listeners, if you go to progressivevotersguide.com, you can choose your county and your city within the state of California. So that's where I've been going with in terms of you know doing my research, getting educated on the proposal measures, what's going to be on the ballot. Your second question, though, which I think is also really important is, you know, what am I going to do if things go south, as they say, colloquially speaking? The past four years and in, in many aspects, uh, my opinion, environmentally, with a lot of the environmental rollbacks, the rollbacks of the EPA regulations on fuel economy, opening up national parkland and protected lands to oil drilling, a lot of the things that have been going on. There's been a lot of choices and laws and rollbacks that I disagree with from an ethical and financial perspective. But if things don't go our way, I don't think that pouting about it and like, I'm going to move to Germany. Fuck you. I'm going to move to Canada. Fuck you. That's it. I'm going to finally buy that hut in Brazil. There's something to be said for standing and fighting. And when I say fighting, I don't literally mean, you know, although I don't know, who knows, sometimes revolutions require some intense physical action. That's another conversation. When I say stand and fight, it means that if you see things that are going on in your country, your town, your city, your locality, and you don't agree with it, taking physical action is really one of the best things we can do. So in a nutshell, Wit, I don't see myself running off to a foreign country anytime soon, but I do see that if things keep getting rolled back in terms of environmental protections, protections of animals, no real movement in terms of uh, workers' rights or having fair wages or the absolutely broken healthcare system we're in, in my opinion. It's an opportunity for us to band together, for us to hunker down and keep taking massive action and try and shift the tide of history toward, again, I think a more equanimous, equanimous, equal, that's a better word, towards a more equal and fair system that benefits all. Because rather than throwing anyone under the bus politically, I think that 
in terms of our healthcare, in terms of our financial system, in terms of the environmental policies that are greatly benefiting massive corporations, I think there's a lot of things happening in this country that are extremely imbalanced. I'll use that word to be fair and judicious about it. It's imbalanced. It favors a very, very small specific number of people that are making a lot of money and gaining a lot of power. We can't really deny that. It's just fact. And there's a lot of people at the proverbial bottom of the pyramid that are being exploited, that are being put in very dangerous situations economically, socially, physically. And I just feel like there is a lot of balancing. I'm going to say that there's a lot of balancing that I feel in my heart needs to happen in this country. Well, I think that's very well said. And I agree with so much of what you're saying. In fact, to go back to the resources, one really great point that was made during the group that I run beyond measure was that it can be really helpful to try to come at an election from a neutral position, if you can, and look at both sides of the choice or look at all the choices, you know, because what's interesting too, is it's not just two people on the election ballot. Like there's other people running for president. And then there's all these propositions that you're voting yes or no for. And it can feel very overwhelming and confusing. And I think for me in the past, and many people I I imagine do this, is you might hear from your friends, from the media, from just like whatever you're paying attention to and start to make a decision based on all this other data on the outside. But as we've talked about in the past, especially in regards to social media, we can be caught in these biased bubbles or these one-sided bubbles. And I think I have been in that a lot. And it's tricky because it depends so much on where you were raised, what your parents' viewpoints were, what the viewpoints were of your education system and your friends. And like for me in Massachusetts, I grew up in a small town and it seems like pretty much everyone here thought about the same way and they were raised about the same way. And then I went to a very liberal school, a college, and people were pretty similar there. It was also Massachusetts. And then I moved to Los Angeles and I ended up in another pocket of people that kind of thought the same way and lived the same way. And sometimes I yearn for people that think and act differently than me because I think it can be really dangerous on both sides, you know, quote, sides, as you were saying, Jason, like, I think there's a lot of concern if if we kind of just operate in our life just the way that we always have and the way that people around us always have, then we're kind of stuck in that place of not changing or evolving. And then we're not necessarily thinking for ourselves either. So this point of could we approach the election from before we vote from a neutral standpoint and try to take in information from different sides, even if we go into it thinking we're going to disagree. And to your point, Jason, there are elements of both the Democratic and Republican parties that you might align with and might disagree with. And I think this also leads to another challenge during the election is what if you don't like your options? What if you feel like you are seeing sides of both options and neither one of them feels quite right. And that can feel incredibly tricky 
And this also came up during the Beyond Measure call. And one of the best pieces of advice I heard was A, doing that research I was talking about, going onto YouTube, looking up blogs, checking out social media, and trying to take in the different perspectives and then find out what resonates with you. And then some people have trouble making decisions based on personality. You know, when it comes to voting for our president, maybe neither personality feels right to you. Maybe there's something about your options that's very off-putting. And then you can start to look at more of the facts of what these people represent and what is really important to you. Like you were saying, Jason, the environment is obviously a big concern of mine. So really evaluating it and going to check out the nonprofits that you align with and what are they saying? What, what messaging are they putting out? Are they making recommendations as well? And looking at these voter guides, and I think those are available all over the country, not just in California. So really looking up what is available in your area too, because part of what makes this complex is that every state is a little bit different. And that makes me nervous as well. You know, Jason and I were the other day were talking about what happened in Georgia this week as of the time we're recording this, how some of the early voters were going on the days that they had off from work and waiting in line for 11 hours to vote. And I cannot imagine doing that. I remember in the the last election, I think it was the primaries, I was waiting in line for like 90 minutes or so, and it was miserable. You know, <laughs> like this is before COVID. It was actually at the very early stages of COVID where people weren't wearing masks yet. And everyone was just kind of like mingling close together outside. And I made the most of it. I brought a book and I went with somebody else and it was a nice day. But I remember thinking like, this sucks, (laughs) but I cannot imagine voting in October where it's probably colder, wearing masks, physically distant, and waiting for 10 plus what I experienced waiting as long as I did. So, you know, it's complicated and there's voter suppression going on and a lot of concerns, but we have to find a way through all of this. And this is why these conversations are so important. And coming down to some resources, there's a great organization called Rock the Vote. I actually want to go through some of their toolkit. They had reached out to me and asking if I could get more involved. And they sent some really helpful pieces of information. Like One of them is a frequently asked questions from eligible voters. And it goes through, does your vote count? Why should you register? Why should you vote? And I'd love to go through some of those at some point during this episode, Jason. There's also a website called The Skim. And as Jason mentioned, we're going to link to all of that for you in the show notes of this episode which again is at wellevator.com. That's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go to this episode in the podcast section of our website, you'll find all these resources and maybe you want to share this with somebody. And we'd actually love you to do that, not just for our sake, but hopefully if you're resonating with this episode, you might know somebody else who will as well. And you can send them the website link actually where they can not only listen to this episode, but they can read the transcript and find all the resources that we're mentioning here. And even if you don't send them our website, please send them one of these resources to help them figure this out. We really shouldn't be making assumptions about what people are doing and thinking right now. As I said at the very beginning of this episode, voting can feel 
scary to talk about. We can be fearful of being judged, fearful of doing things wrong. I think there's a lot of shame, fear, and confusion when it comes to voting. And it needs to be discussed as much as possible so we can work through this. And doing it from a compassionate standpoint, as less judgmental as possible, because ultimately, each person needs to decide for themselves. That's part of how our system is designed. And if you're not voting, your say isn't being counted, and it really adds up. In fact, I will read this one part from Rock the Vote about whether or not your vote even counts. And they say, It may sound cliche, but every vote matters. Think of it this way. The only vote that doesn't matter is the one that was never cast. There are 80 million young people. Together, we will be heard. The 2016 presidential election was decided by fewer than 80,000 out of 136 million votes cast. In 2017, a single vote determined the winner of a state house race in Virginia, which decided the party majority in a 50-50 split legislator. In 2017, youth turnout in the Philadelphia district attorney race increased by 279% a new district attorney. And so, yes, your vote does count. And I remember back in the primaries and in the 2016 presidential election, I would hear from people very close to me that they didn't think their vote mattered because of where they lived. And I just don't believe that. I'm sure you would agree with that too, Jason. This is part of a sort of internal ethical dilemma I felt at times in the sense that in elections past, you know, there's a phrase that I would employ, which is, you know, choosing the lesser of two evils. And I'm not trying to say that anybody in this current election is evil, although your perspective, dear listener, may vary. I think that, you know, neither one of them are really ideal. I'm just going to go on record and say that. I don't think that. For me, it's like I would have loved to have seen Bernie in there because I align more with his viewpoints on healthcare and taxes and the environment. And I also understand the politics in that, you know, he probably was leaning way, way too hard left for a lot of people. And, you know, again, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories or what happened with the Democratic Party and what they may or may not have done to derail his campaign. But, you know, in terms of this particular election of Biden and Trump, I'm not doing backflips for either one of them. That's where I'm at. So it's to paraphrase it again, you know, this lesser of two evils. I've looked at their policies and there are, again, on both sides, things that I'm like, oh, okay. That makes sense to me in my ethical philosophy or my viewpoint. But I think where I'm coming down to it with, in terms of my decision making with a lot of things I'm, I'm trying to do is balance the head and the heart. And here's what I mean by that. I think that it's almost like hedging your bets because we know that across the board, most of the time politicians will make promises when they are running for an election or a re-election campaign. And not all of those promises come to fruition. In fact, with some, very few do. So it's a bit like gambling in the sense that you, as a person, are trying to evaluate best which candidate aligns with not only your personal values and how that might affect your personal finances, the health and the safety of your family and your community. But for me, it's also about looking generations in the future of not which policies are going to change things for me or my family right now, but what about 
20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years in the future. Of course, this is difficult to predict, almost impossible in some cases, unless we look at certain metrics. But my point is this, I try and evaluate all of this with who I'm choosing and what policies or proposals to vote for with not only what's going to make the most impact now, but what is going to set up our world, hopefully our country, and therefore the ripple effect on the world with something that is sustainable for our environment, our financial structure, our healthcare, taking care of each other. You know, it might sound Pollyanna or pedantic, but it's how I feel in my heart. It's like, we need to take better care of each other. I don't care so much about whether a person's viewpoints are different than mine. I mean, there are some pretty radical and violent people in different groups in this country for sure. But I think for the most part, I have to think that most human beings are good-hearted people that want to protect their families. They want to be prosperous. They want to be abundant. They want to feel safe, cared for, protected, and heard. I think we can make a pretty big generalization. Most people want to be safe, protected, heard, and feel like their values are being respected, right? So balancing the head and the heart for me is, yeah, thinking about what person, politician, or or policy is going to have the most beneficial long-term impact. And ultimately, like in my heart, what do I feel is right? Like deep in my heart, what do I feel is right? And so that's the balance that I try to strike with all of it. And it's not easy sometimes. You know, some of this stuff is extremely complex. I don't mean to make it sound super simple. It's a difficult thing to try and achieve that balance at times. Another point in the Rock the Vote materials, which I just happen to be really into. So that's why I'm reading from here. I mean, there's so many resources and that's why we want to provide you with a bunch of different options for yourself to really figure out what resonates with you, as Jason was saying. And I think Rock the Vote is neat because it feels like it's very targeted towards a younger generation. And I think a lot of younger people are are struggling to decide why they should vote. And so part of the response to that is that voting is a way that we build a more representative government that reflects our values, just as you were saying, Jason. And we're selecting candidates and voting in the form of ballot measures, propositions, and referendums that address the issues we face as individuals, communities, and the country. And on November 3rd, 2020, we're electing the U.S. president, all 435 seats in the House of Representatives, 34 of 100 senators, 13 governors, and many state and local elected officials. Voting is the most powerful tool we have in our democracy to determine the values and directions of our country and our communities. And I think if you're feeling like your vote doesn't matter, it's really important to examine why you feel that way. Like, And what's at that root of being helpless? I think it's easy to throw up your hands and say, well, it doesn't matter anyways. But as we've been talking about, that's not true. And with all of this being determined for many, many years, that ripple effect that we discussed at the very beginning of this episode is crucial. And it's actually kind of selfish not to vote, as you were saying, Jason, because of the impact it has on many generations here. There's another section in Rock the Vote about what if you don't believe in voting? Everyone's entitled to their own opinions and beliefs, but by definition, a democracy requires participation of the people. This is a government for the people, of the people, and by the people. And 
those are words I remember hearing when I was growing up and and didn't really take that seriously. And it, it's really taken me a while to evolve politically, to be honest. I never enjoyed studying the government in school. And I think I kind of associated with something I just wasn't interested in. And and that has really impacted my voting. And coming back to Rock the Vote, they said, if you're not inspired by particular candidates, consider how they align on the issues you care about, as I said earlier, and then plan to hold them accountable to those issues once they are in office. Don't forget to look locally to how candidates and elected officials are weighing in on the issues at the state and city levels. Though your state's legislator, this word, I always trip over it, legislator. I'm saying it wrong. Can you say it, Jason? Well, there's legislator (laughs) and legislature. Is it the same word or two different pronunciations? Well, a legislature is a group of legislators, whereas a legislator is one person in the legislation. (laughs) See, this is a great example of me like learning about these things. (laughs) I never say these words. And I think it's also like, huh, I'm noticing some of my ignorance, you know? Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast, right, Wit, is we're not just out here, you know, flapping our gums at the people listening. We're also learning in real time. To me, that's one of the most exciting parts is you and I will dive in a subject and then just be like, well, shit, you don't know what you don't know. You know, with the word ignorant is passed around almost being synonymous with stupid, but ignorant just means you don't know. So I revel in my ignorance and I celebrate our mutual ignorance, Whitney, and our commitment to learning. <laughs> so yeah, you know, one of the things I wanted to kind of go back to a little bit, and you might have touched on this a little bit, you did, Whitney, about people who don't, they don't believe in voting. I've talked to quite a few people who have a version of a perspective, which there's truth to this perspective that political figures, in particular, the presidential candidates, but but their opinion is any high level ranking political figure, is just a puppet in the sense that if we look at what really drives our public policy and our legislation and our laws, it's lobbyists that are paid by giant corporate interests. And when you have, as an example, you know, corporations like Amazon and Apple and many others who have market caps in the trillions of dollars and massive influence over many sectors of our industry and our capitalist economy, there is some truth to that, right? Where you think about when we call political candidates puppets, it doesn't mean that they don't have any power. It just means that if you look at many of them and their campaign contributions and which corporate interests have contributed to their election campaigns and for how long, you can understand that philosophy of, hey, the ones that are really pulling the strings are the corporations and the lobbyists that are putting a ton of money and power and influence into these legislative parties and public discourse and trying to move the needle in their favor. and. I think personally, there's truth that I agree with that. And I think that's a major flaw in our political system where if we compromise air quality, water quality, food quality, we start to compromise our long-term vision for the health and sustainability of the human species by trying to, you know, get short-term profit. There's a flaw in that mentality, I believe. That's my personal philosophy. There's a really funny comic. We'll find it and link to it in the show notes. It came out years ago where there's, it's a hand-drawn black and white comic where there's, you can see there's like a burnt out city in the background, like a a city, like just smoldering in smoke. And around a campfire are like four people 
And one of them is like a, a middle-aged white guy and his hair's all frazzled and he's got burn marks on his three-piece suit. And the campfire quote under it is him speaking. He says something like, because I don't have it in front of me right now, but something like, yeah, you know, we destroyed the world, but we did create a lot of short-term shareholder value. We did. <laughs> and it's like, it's funny because it's true. And it's despicable because it's true. Like, there are a lot of compromises we're making for the health of this planet, I believe, for short-term shareholder value, right? Why? Money is what runs things right now. So my long answer is I get people who don't want to vote because of their perspective that everyone's just a puppet and it's the corporations who are running everything anyway. And there's a lot of truth to that. I believe in that philosophy to a big degree. I think another element of this in terms of thinking long-term is there's this thinking of, well, I'll vote and then it's out of my hands. I'm just going to throw up my hands and, you know, I've done my part. (laughs) Again, I think that because we have several weeks at this point, or in the case of when you're listening, actually just over a week, if you haven't voted yet, make a plan for it. And if you have voted, consider what else you could be doing. You can get involved with so much during this time. And I think it's incredibly important not to make the assumption about anybody else you know. In fact, I challenged the members of my group Beyond Measure to reach out to at least one person that they haven't spoken to in a little while and just check in on them, A, because I think that's important for our mental health, and B, just find out what their voting plan is and not assume that this person has it figured out because there might be some people that you're either very close to currently or you're close to and just haven't talked to in a little while that haven't figured this out and they may feel like they're on their own. I think a lot of us have that loneliness because voting can feel so private. Making these decisions can feel uncomfortable or challenging or overwhelming. And then next thing you know, it's too late to register or you didn't realize what the dates were. I mean, I remember back in the primaries, that there was so much I didn't realize until election day. Like I honestly did not know that I could vote early and I didn't know that I could go to a different polling place. It was that there were all these like last minute bits of information that I was simply ignorant about because I assumed I knew the answers. And I think the assumptions around the election is something I want to drive home over and over again because you might just not be interested about it and think it's okay, like me. Like you just think, oh, it's fine. I don't need to be educated about these things. Or, oh, it'll be like last time. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day who was talking about how easy it has been to vote in their area. And in my head, I thought, wow, like they're making so many assumptions based on how things worked in the past. But we have to remember that things are are not the same. First of all, they never are. Things are constantly changing, but especially in 2020, we've gone through so many changes and there are things that are still changing and could be changing up until election day. So we need to stay incredibly informed and make sure everyone in our network is and really considering what you're doing. And that's something that I want to spend more time on and and maybe even try to do this daily, I would encourage you to do the same, Jason, and to each of you listening. It's not as easy as just, you know, taking a picture of yourself with the I voted sticker. (laughs) You know, like find some uh, different ways to talk about these things. And luckily we have so many resources 
In fact, I, I linked to one of them in the show notes already, but I, I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was because there's so many. But a number of these websites that we're linking to at wellevator.com are filled with social media images that you can use. And some of them are gorgeous. Like it, it's not like your old school voting imagery. Like there's artists that are creating incredible eye-catching uh, images. There was a video series I found. And again, it's somewhere in my link. So I encourage you to go through every single resource we put in wellevator.com to find the one that resonates with you. One of them was a voter guide based on your astrological sign. So it was like, how to vote if you're an Aries, you know? And it it sounds kind of funny, but maybe that resonates with you. Maybe you're like, oh, I, I want it to do it by my personality type. And maybe this will impact other people I know, like send a video like that to someone else that you know, their zodiac sign, you know, and they might laugh at it, but it's still planting a seed in their head. So you can find humorous ways to talk about voting. You can find serious ways. You can bring up the issues. Maybe each of us should be having these conversations every single day with at least one person just to ensure, because then that person could go on to do the same thing. And we have this huge pay it forward ripple effect that can really make a huge difference. So that to me is going above and beyond casting your own ballot. And I think this whole idea of assumptions and like, oh, I'm doing enough really came up for me in that beyond measure discussion that I've alluded to a few times. Because at the beginning of the discussion, there were a number of people that like didn't really seem that interested in having this conversation. And they're like, oh, I'm covered. Like, I'm, I'm good. I've been doing the work on my own. Like, I've got it all figured out. And then we discovered in that group, there was one person who hadn't made up her mind yet about what she was going to vote for and who she was going to vote for, mainly because she didn't feel in alignment with anything and she didn't feel inspired to do the research. and. We could have made that assumption that everyone on the group was on the same page and everyone was educated. But then there's also me where I'm learning every time I talk about voting. And so that in itself, if I just focus on what I'm getting out of that, I'm learning constantly and becoming less ignorant. And that feels very empowering. But we just can't make assumptions about anybody we know. In fact, (laughs) it reminds me too, Jason. When you texted me yesterday, the joke about who your mom was voting for, I had this moment of like, whoa, like I made an assumption that Jason's mom was going to vote for so-and-so. And it turned out that you were making a joke and pretending that she was going to vote for the opposite person. But it was actually kind of interesting to me because what if in fact she was voting for somebody that I didn't think she would vote for? That would go against my assumptions about her, right? And I think this is the challenge is, and part of the reason uh, the privacy side of voting is in a way almost dangerous, because if we don't talk about these things, if we don't push through our comfort zones when it comes to the elections, we may make assumptions that actually hurt us and don't benefit us. But if we look at this as us being all in this together, which we are, and this is part of our civic duty right, to vote, then we can create a more positive change that's well and beyond us as individuals. So Whitney, I wanted to actually read 
what your Zodiac sign says about how you vote. Because I found, I don't know if this is the article you were referencing, but it piqued my interest. So while you were talking, I pulled it up, but it's linked on Refinery29. And so I wanted to read yours and mine. So you're an Aries, yes? You're March 21st, yeah? So here's what it's about Whitney. It says, Aries are known for being impulsive fire signs, but when it comes to picking a candidate, they have their heart set on a certain someone for the job. They are very impetuous, but they also really vote for who they're passionate about. Aries are probably going to be the first ones to mail out their ballots <laughs> or the first ones at election sites. Your action plan, vote. In many states, early voting has already begun. You can find a thorough plan with links to all the information you need to know for your state. All right, so that's Whitney. So I am a Cancer because I'm July 6th. Okay, nothing to worry about for Cancers on November 3rd. They usually have a plan in place. They're the ones to physically go to the polls during their lunch break and know everyone working at the polls. Consider spreading that buttoned-up energy around. Remind friends and family to vote and share your plan with them. The heightened awareness might help bring more people to take action at the polls. Interesting. I mean, it's interesting because for years, Whitney, and you know, astrology is always kind of like a very flexible thing interpretation-wise, but you were worried about your action plan and yours, it said, oh, Aries, take action soon. But for mine, I think it definitely resonates in the sense that I'm already clear about what I'm going to do. I may reveal that by the end of this episode. We'll see where it goes, but I have a plan in place for who I'm going to choose to vote for and where I'm leaning with a lot of the bigger questions. So yeah, so we need to give some give some love to some brands, don't we, Whitney? Is it that time? It's that time. Do you have a brand in mind that you want to give some love to? Well, you know, I think it would be appropriate if we can think of brands that are encouraging other people to vote. And two came to mind. One is Mad Tasty, a sparkling water beverage with CBD that I absolutely love. Talked about them a lot. And I noticed that they changed their social media avatar profile image a while back. It might have been like a month ago to rock the vote. It's like a rock the vote image and they partnered with them. And I thought that was really cool because it planted that reminder in my head. And I now have all these like positive associations with Rock the Vote. And thus I associate that with Mad Tasty and it makes me love them even more. And the other that was really neat was I bought some plant-based milk the other night. It's a combination of coconut, cashew, and oat from this brand Forager, which makes really premium non-dairy products. And they had a vote sticker right on the container. And it was voting for, I think, a specific measure, which I'm going to look up. Okay. So if you go to their website, which as we are doing with everything in this episode, their website will be linked at wellevator.com. And they have a vote section right on there. It's very prominent on their website. And (laughs) lo and behold, they're also partnered with Rock the Vote. So to me, it's like Rock the Vote is getting a lot of like, I'm really aligned with them. And actually, by the way, Rock the Vote is nonpartisan and nonprofit. So they're really dedicated to building the political power of young people. And that's what this website is. It's, I thought it was like voting on a measure. No, vote three was saying like vote on November 3rd. And they're all about cultivating democracy and leaving the world a better place because they believe organic plant based food can make a better place. And since voting is the foundation of a healthy democracy, we need to nurture the seeds of democracy and vote. And it just like stood out on the package. I'll I'll take a picture of it and put it in the show notes. 
and I'm sure you can see on their social media, foragers, social media as well. But it stood out to me. And it's like all these little messages to remind us to vote. They really do make an impact. So props to them. Have you noticed any brands that you love, Jason? Or did you start loving any brands more through social media or coming across them in the store like I did? Well, I went down interesting rabbit hole on my flight to Detroit from LA this past week. And the interesting rabbit hole I went down was an article on, I think it was Business Weekly, about Jermaine Dupree. Everybody remember Jermaine Dupree? He brought crisscross to the world. He did a lot of stuff. I mean, so many artists, we can't even go there. TLC, Usher, I mean, there's a million. Jay-Z, Jermaine Dupree has been a huge producer in the hip hop and R&B world since the early 90s. So Jermaine Dupree is investing in a lot of vegan businesses right now. And he's done pretty well for himself outside of the music game with business ventures. And he said that the next decade, the 2020s here, the next decade, the decade we're in, one of the biggest explosions in terms of consumer marketplace will be vegan products and vegan food. So he's investing heavily. So dig this. I found an article on Marketing Daily Media Post that Impossible Foods is teaming with black leaders to promote voter registration right now. So it's called Votenik 2020 Zoom to the Polls. The Pinky Cole Foundation, Slutty Vegan, which is a really good, I've heard, haven't had it, vegan food truck in Atlanta. Jermaine Dupree, who's based out of the ATL and Impossible are aligning with black artists, entrepreneurs, and community organizations to encourage higher voter registration and turnout with this VoteNIC virtual initiative. So apparently, VoteNIC is a series of these six online events that begin in a Zoom session. And it's people from you know black businesses and black entrepreneurs talking about resources and community activation and investors. Pinky Cole is the founder of Slutty Vegan and her food truck and has a foundation and Jermaine Dupree's involved. And We'll link to this article, but I just think it's great that Impossible Foods is up there and Jermaine is doing his thing and he's investing heavily in vegan businesses. So this is something I'm super excited about to see not only, of course, the explosion of veganism and plant-based foods to lessen our strain on the environment and lessen our dependence on factory farms to feed the nearly 8 billion people on the planet, but it's really cool to me to see people of the wealth and the stature and the success of someone like Jermaine Dupree, who's investing heavily in this and really getting involved in community activation. So big shout out to Impossible, Jermaine Dupree. Maybe we can have you on the podcast someday. So with that, Whitney, as we are hurtling toward the end of this episode, I think I'm not going to put any pressure on you, but I think I want to, spirit of getting uncomfortable, I think I want to reveal my choice for this year because I feel like, I don't know, I want to do it just because it's important to speak your truth, no matter what the repercussions of how people may respond to this podcast. But, you know, I mentioned I've been just doing a lot of research on uh, on allsides.com, reading a lot of articles, digging into policy, thing like that. And my true north, so to speak, is what I feel is going to be the best choice for generations to come. You know, and again, it's not to say that any choice is perfect or any of the choices we make politically are perfect. It's not to say any of the choices we make with how we spend our money is perfect. We've talked about this in previous episodes of that there's no such thing as perfectly ethical capitalism or consumerism. There's always seemingly in the system we've created somebody losing out at some point or some stress that's being put on someone or something in the process of the capitalist structure we have. But I'm going to be voting for Biden. I know he's not perfect. There are things I disagree with him public policy-wise, 
But I think overall, if I look at the biggest picture of where my heart is at and where I feel there are choices that are hopefully going to lay down some foundations for sustainability and equality moving forward, I just feel like that's the choice I'm going to make right now. So revealing that as we end the episode, dear friends, you can jump in, Whitney. I don't know what you want to say about that, but but yeah, that's where I'm going with all this. Well, I think it is worth going outside of my comfort zone and saying publicly that I too am voting for Biden. It's more that I, you know, I feel it's to me like you were kind of reading in my (laughs) description of my sign astrologically, I think it says about how passionate I am. And I'm typically very drawn to character more than I am policy. And I think part of that is kind of go through life a little bit intuitively, and then I add in the intellect. And also part of what has helped me determine who and what I vote for is talking to other people. And that's part of my personality for better or for worse. It's part of my operating system is I tend to second guess myself a lot. And I find that if I speak to people that I trust and they either agree with me or disagree with me, and then we kind of find a balanced perspective together, I feel a little bit better. I'm very community oriented in terms of decision making. I have trouble making decisions on my own. And that's something I want to examine more. But through the years, I find that people I really know, love, and trust are voting for the same person that I want to vote for intuitively. And I just kind of get that hit. Last night, which was October 15th, was the town hall. And I hesitated to watch any of Trump's town hall. Part of me was like, I just want to focus on Biden. As I mentioned earlier, I find it's important to notice what Trump is doing and stay informed. And gosh, just from a intuitive perspective, like the difference in in their personalities is so striking. And I just feel so turned off by Trump. Now, earlier in the year, I was really excited about Marion Williamson. In fact, Jason and I went to her announcement when she said that she was running for president, and that was really neat. And we've had the pleasure of meeting her and uh, being connected to her. And, and she's another dream guest since we're speaking some of these people into existence. I, I think it would have been amazing. I knew she was a long shot. <laughs> but I remember actually when Trump won in 2016, I was distraught and Marion Williamson had a live video response to that. And it was incredibly comforting. I will never forget it. And just how I really felt like she was there during this time where I felt really distraught. I've also met Hillary Clinton and uh, voted for her in the 2016 election. And as Jason said, wasn't 100% about voting for Hillary, but out of the options, she felt right to me. I also went, was it with you, Jason, that we went to the Bernie Sanders rally? Yeah, that was at the Wiltern in LA. Man, that was what the energy at that event was. I remember the energy at that event in the last election, 2016 being like, it's hard to describe it. It was just electric and it was positive. And there was such a palpable energy of change and progressiveness and compassion and equanimity. I just remember being blown away by that experience. Yeah. And we also waited in line for hours. I remember you were really grumpy about it, Jason, but it was so worth it. And it's been neat to 
be with you through all of these different experiences, seeing Marianne and Bernie. And I met Hillary Clinton many years ago through a job I had. I won't mention who it was, but my former employee, my former employer is a very outspoken Democrat. And when I was working for him, I had the pleasure of meeting some incredible people. And, you know, Bill Clinton would call the house sometimes. It was fascinating. But he he actually shaped me too. My employer at the time, I learned a lot and I was very inspired by him. I was there when Obama won and and just got to be around him and his energy at the time. And and that shaped me a lot too. So similar to what Jason said, it's not about finding the perfect candidate, but it's about somebody that really resonates with you. And I want to continue to be educated. And lastly, I would say that I really like Kamala Harris. And especially after watching the debate with her and Mike Pence, it's like same reaction that I have to Biden and Trump. It's like, I just don't want to vote for somebody that makes me feel (laughs) physically uncomfortable. Like I think our bodies are important to listen to. And in addition to educate yourself mentally as well is really important. Yeah, I I would say as we close out, it's something I don't like to talk about mainly because I'm afraid of making other people uncomfortable. I don't want to ostracize anybody, but to your point too, Jason, I think it's important to speak up for what we believe in. And I don't know what the point is besides just revealing this for people that are curious. I don't know if we're going to sway people's minds necessarily, but you never know. And I think that's a great part to close out with is to not make assumptions. I don't want to assume anything about you, the listener. And we certainly trust that you are making the best decision for yourself. And we believe that if you made it this far into our episodes and you've been listening to us for a while, you probably resonate with a lot of what we speak about, but that doesn't mean that we're 100% on the same page. And in fact, I would love to hear from some of you that view things differently. And we've had some people speak out. We've received some heated comments on our episodes before based on our voting decision. And that might happen after we speak up about it. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it when people attack me. Uh, for my viewpoints and my current decisions and all of that. But I think it's important to be challenged and hear people out. So if you, the listener, would like to share any of your thoughts, we encourage you to do it constructively. We encourage you to be kind and compassionate. We encourage you to pause before hitting send and make sure this is what you want to say to us or anybody else you're speaking to, because we can certainly get very brave behind our keyboard But we have to remember that there's somebody on the other side receiving that. And I think when it comes to voting, it's very easy to be cruel and to get very worked up about things because of our beliefs. And I think in addition to not making assumptions, if we can lead with more kindness and composure, (laughs) that it can make the voting process a lot smoother no matter what side we're on. Well said. So, dear listener, whatever your perspectives are, your belief systems, your leanings, we do love to hear from you. And the best way to connect with us, well, there are many different ways. First of all, you can send us a direct email is hello at wellevator.com. You can go to our website for the show notes for this episode, all of our episodes previous and our free resources on how to improve your mental and emotional and physical wellness. And our website, again, is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We are on all of the major social networks, including Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, the whole enchilada, as they say. 
So we look forward to hearing from you. We want this to be an open discourse. We love to get your perspective, your feelings, what's going on in your world. So whether that's a direct email or a DM or any way you want to do, send a homing pigeon. We'll take good care of it. We appreciate you being with us. We appreciate you getting uncomfortable with us. And we'll catch you again for another episode of the podcast very, very soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.